0: Welcome to the Lost Roman Heroes Podcast. My name is Matthew. And my name is Matteo. And Matteo is feeling slightly under the weather. I just want to put it out there. Yeah, so apologies if the performance is not up to par. It's not up to par, and this is the second episode that we're recording today because we're not going to be able to record next weekend. So for us, we're just rolling right through it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is the Lost Roman Heroes podcast. Together, we are diving deep into the history of Rome from its founding to its death, uncovering Rome's greatest heroes along the way and ranking them. And in this episode, we are going to focus on... Quintus Fabius Maximus Verucosus Cunctator. That is a name. El Cucuy. <laughs> cucuy. Yep. <laughs> so, but there, there's a lot to cover in this episode because we are still in the Punic Wars. So, let's get going. Let's do it. So, it, we always talk about where we are on the map. We are obviously very much in the same exact place where we wound up in the last episode. We're in the city of Rome. But the year now is 280 BCE. So we la- ended the last uh, episode after this. We're going backwards in time to the birth of our candidate for hero this this uh, episode, who is Fabius. Uh, we'll get more into that overlap in a second. But now let's talk about, Matteo. where are we in world history? Well, uh, from around
1: 260 to around maybe like 215 BCE, around this time the Hellenistic Hellenistic kingdoms like we mentioned in the last episode were also um, consolidating their power in the East uh, with uh, the Ptolemaics, the Seleucids, uh, the Antigonid dynasty, Bactrians, such. Uh, Ahsoka's reign, Emperor Ahsoka ruled the Maurya Empire in India during this time. Uh, His conversion to Buddhism and efforts to spread its teachings has a profound impact on Indian history and culture. And a profound inc- impact on history today. Um, Archimedes, the Greek scientist, mathematician, inventor, was alive during the. Genius. Period. Yeah, and he made a lot of uh, contributions to engineering as well.
0: We need to find a way to do an episode on Archimedes somewhere somehow. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, we should. He's definitely a worthwhile topic to discuss. Uh, the Qin Dynasty in China was officially established in two twenty one BCE and had a significant influence. <laughs> During the latter part of this period, it was known for unifying China, constructing the Great Wall, and standardizing various aspects of Chinese culture. And the Third Syrian War was a conflict between the Seleucid Empire and the Ptolemaic Kingdoms. This war resulted in the division of the disputed territories in Syria. A, a very active
0: time in world history. Yeah. And that brings us to this episode and our focus Today on Quintus Fabius Maximus Vericosis Cunctator, which is one of the craziest names, Matteo, I have ever spoken sure. or heard. He was born in 280 BC, around 20 years after Regulus was born, Mateo. And about 10 years before last episode's hero, Corvus, died. Not last, two episodes ago, yeah. Corvus died. So could you imagine all these guys were alive together at the same time? Could you imagine them meeting in the forum? That three three
1: greats right there. It could have happened. Regulus probably, I don't know if he was regarded as, I don't know. I think, obviously, he rose to notoriety um, post his death, but I'm sure he was already pretty famous.
0: Regulus was. He he must have been a star. He was a consul, so he he must have been famous. Who was a pleb, who had his own triumphs. So So you can imagine, Corvus would have been an old man with a cane. At the age of 80, hobbling through the forum. Like a Cicero. Like a Cicero. Yeah. A bit of a pain. Maybe a little cranky. Yeah, Had some airs. For sure. And you had a regulus who was a pleb, but he was a consul, so he was at his peak. And you had a young boy, maybe 10 years old or so, buying an apple from a vendor in the forum and looking at these greats strolling through. Yeah, for sure. So that could have happened. So that is Quintus Fabius Maximus Verrucosus Cunctator. He was a descendant Matteo of a patrician family, the Fabii, who had been around for a very very long time. This name is so crazy. I would like to Let's dissect it for a second. Right. Remember we talked about Roman names a couple of episodes ago? Did, yeah, yeah. I want to interpret this one for you. So, Quintus was his praenomen. Fabius was his nomen. That was the family name. Mhm. Then you had Maximus Verucosus, which was his cognomen. That was his nickname. And I'm gonna, we're going to talk about what that Maximus Verucosus means in a second. And finally, we had Cunctator, Mateo, This is an agnomen. And an agnomen, that's a new idea in Roman history at this point. Remember, the cognomen was. Uh, the nickname. It was a nickname. But then that nickname became hereditary. Remember L.J. Brutus? We okay. said Brutus was his nickname because he appeared to be a dummy. Right. But dummy became sort of the family name. Yeah, in Cincinnati. And, so, and Cincinnati the same. So now the Romans added a new nickname, Agnomen, because the Cognomen had become hereditary. And so this uh, concept of the Agnomen, very quickly, I want to explain. It is typically related to your personality, Matteo. So, remember Tarquinius Superbus, the first king or the last yeah. king of Rome, Superbus meant haughty. Right. So that's sort of an agnomen. Or you could Pius was another agnomen which meant honesty. Or Crassus, you're going to love this. It meant fatso. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So Crassus, uh. yeah. we we may talk about Crassus in the course of that podcast, but that was an agnomen that meant he was fat. He couldn't lay off the Cheetos. Uh, and then obviously you have things like Africanus or Creticus, and those are all agnomens that are granted because somebody did something awesome and it becomes a part of their name. Right. So in this case, Mateo, Maximus Vericosis. You know, you can't know what Vericosis means. I didn't Honestly either. not. Big wart. Big wart. He had a big wart on his upper Aww. lip. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guy. And that became his Aww. nickname. Yeah, Maximus Vericosis. Really big wart. That was his nickname. How do you think that would affect your psyche? I'd probably have a
1: chip on my shoulder.
0: I think I would be a little annoyed as well. I think like, kind of like a Napoleon type figure. Yeah. Always always angry. Yeah. A chip on your shoulder that you're trying to knock off. Yeah. And you kind of walk around the world waiting for people to, to like dare me. Dare yeah, me. Talk about it. Yeah. Talk about it. the I wart. I see it. Mention it. Are you staring at my eyes or at my upper lip? Yeah. So... Anyways, this guy has like six or seven names. I think we should call him something simple like Fabius for the rest of the episode. You want right. to go with Fabius let's or Conctator?
1: Let's go with Fabius.
0: Okay, let's go with Fabius. All right. Before we talk about Fabius, let's talk about the history and the historical context of his life. In the last episode, Matteo, we talked about the First Punic War, right? Yeah. That was 264 to 241 BC, a 23-year war. Fabius was born in 280. That's about 20 years after Regulus was born, our hero from the last episode. And as a little boy, this is going to blow you away. As if he didn't have enough names. He had an extra nickname as a kid. Really? His n- nickname was Ovicula. Meaning? Little sheep. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like
1: a chick. So, <laughs> oh, is, does Ula mean little?
0: Because I think Caligula. you're right. Yeah, it must be. Boots. I, I, you have to be right. That connection makes all the sense in the world to me. Hmm. Una must mean little. Which means I guess OV or OV see OV must must mean sheep. So little sheep, because he was very quiet as a young man and he was very cautious. Like an oveja. Wait, that's a Yeah. That's a, you're right. Oveja. Isn't that a Spanish? It's a it's a, a B. Oveja. Yeah, what's, you're right. It's a, a B. What's a sheep? What's a sheep in Spanish? Something similar, right? It's wow. super similar. We're okay. uneducated. All right, no, we're not uneducated. We have exposure to lots of things and sometimes we forget. Anyways, moving right along. This guy went from being little sheep to big wart on your upper lip as a nickname, nice. which, which really, that's rough. It was, his family was worried about him, Mateo, because he was a quiet young man. They thought maybe he had a mental disability because he was so quiet. But according to Plutarch, who wrote about him a couple hundred years later, these traits that they saw as potential concerns were actually strengths. It meant that he had stability, greatness of mind, and a lion-likeness of temper. Mm. Wouldn't we all like to have that? A lion-likeness of temper. Yeah. So eventually the world came around and said, okay, maybe, maybe the, the kid isn't touched. Yeah. Maybe these are all strengths. At the age of 15, in the year 265, he was concentra- consecrated an augur. And augur means he was a priest responsible for augury. What's augury? The funny thing is, I remember your grandfather talking about this, it fascinated him. Augury is a priest that divines the future, and they do so by reading the entrails. Like an oracle? Like an oracle, but they cut open a sheep, I think it was a sheep, and they pull out the intestines, and they lay them on the table, and depending upon the shape of the intestines, the entrails on the table, is it, they're able to read the shape and tell the mm. future. It's like a Turkish coffee. You pour over the, the, yeah. the, the grinds, the grounds of the, t- the coffee on the plate, and you yeah. can read the future. So just regular 15 year old stuff. <laughs> Pretty much. You were doing this last year.
1: Oh, yeah. Right? in my spare time every now and then.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> that, was, that was at the age of 15. When he turned 16 years old, Mateo. A war broke out between Rome and Carthage, and that was the first Punic War. Right. So that was the 23-year war, the longest war of antiquity, and it ended with Rome winning and asserting its dominance over the Mediterranean. Didn't control the complete Mediterranean because Carthage was still a, ma- a major power. Yeah but, but like,
1: uh, central. Yes, because either ways, there was the whole
0: eastern side. That they weren't even touching. That's true. Rome wasn't touching the eastern side of the Mediterranean at that point. So let's say central western Mediterranean, Rome was becoming...
1: Though there was no Suez Canal, so it didn't really matter as much, right?
0: There was no Suez Canal yet. That is true. Yeah. And so the first Punic War was happening. This guy was 16 years old. In theory, maybe old enough to fight. It was a 23-year war, but we don't know anything about it. He probably did. Yeah. See action. 16 was Augustus'
1: first age... On campaign, when it was, but even though it was like two weeks, right? He went to go see his uncle Julius Caesar, who was yes. just finishing a war in Spain.
0: And, and wasn't it Gaul? I thought it was in Spain. He was just wrapping things up in Spain, hmm. and then he got like lost on the way. I don't know. So this guy Fabius, at sixteen, he probably did something in the First Punic War because if we're talking twenty-three years, it takes him from sixteen to thirty-nine years old, or something along those lines. But we know nothing about him. in the first punic war he appears in the historical record right after the war in the year 237 he was 43 years old at this point he was appointed kester or kester how do you pronounce that i think it's kester kester which was like a finance official it's kind of an it's kind of uh you're looking after the finances of the realm right in 235 two years later he was appointed edel which is a, an official that's focused on the maintenance of temples and, and state right. buildings. Right, so a lot of
1: just management things. Management, Logistics.
0: but he's kind of moving up the ranks. Slowly. In 233, however, Mateo, two years after that, he was appointed consul for the first time. And he led troops into battle and achieved a victory over the Ligurians, who he drove back into the Alps, and he came back to the city of Rome, and he was awarded a triumph. Mm-hmm. Right, So this is no trifling matter. This is now... Right. But he's, he's a funny, though, because he was never a, a military tribune. Maybe he was. We don't know. But, but you're right. You're right. It is kind of odd. But at the age of 47 now, he's become a consul. He's achieved a military victory. And then in 228, 52 years old, two years older than somebody I know. Oh, you. Ah, uh, yeah. Me? Oh, yeah. That so, guy. So there's hope for me. At the age of 52, he became consul for the second time. And right around then, he was appointed dictator, Matteo. We don't know the details of his first dictatorship, uh, but we know he was dictator around then. And then, uh, on the other side of the world, doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo I just... That oh, was you teleporting? Yeah, it was me teleporting across the Mediterranean. Okay. Carthage to Carthage. We're mm-hmm. in Carthage now. Carthage was not terribly thrilled. About the way the First Punic World uh, War ended. I wouldn't imagine that they would be. They were slightly annoyed. They lost a lot of uh, hold, or basically all their hold, in Sicily, so they changed their focus. West. Okay. Look west, my son. You're looking S- west to Spain now, España. aren't you? Oh, España. Yeah.
1: España. Hispania. Ole.
0: Yeah, Don Quixote. Don Quixote. Yep. So they started expanding their their presence on the ground in Spain. And you remember the Barca family? Hamilcar Barca?
1: No, I never really heard of those guys. (laughs) Right. Bunch of nobodies.
0: Father of some people we're going to talk about in this episode. They cool names, by the way. Incredible names. Hasdrubal. Hasdrubal. Hannibal. Yeah. So cool. They started taking a particular interest in Spain, and Spain became sort of a personal fiefdom of the Barca family. It wasn't just that it was Carthaginian, yeah it was, but it was really like the family country house. Right. With was Spain. And in 219, the Carthaginians looked at a pro-Roman city in Spain, right around where the city of Valencia, Valencia is today, called Saguntum. And the Carthaginians... So, eastern Spain. Eastern Spain, yeah, that's exactly right. They besieged the city, they took the city, this pro-Roman city, and said, mine. Mm -hmm. A year later, the Romans said, whoa, 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 whoa. Come on, guys, we have a peace treaty. Pretty good reaction time. Well established. (laughs) A year later, they woke up, and they sent an ambassador to Carthage. And that ambassador's name was... Fabius. Our hero, or our hero candidate. So Fabius led... Jeez, this is late in his life. Yeah, it is. He's 62 years old. He led a Roman delegation. What is it with... This is the ancient world. People lived to 30 years old, and so many of our heroes recently have done remarkable things in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, they, they did nothing when they were young. Or maybe they did, but they, the history just
1: didn't capture it. I don't know. You'd think that we'd not have a lot of people up here who would get to their 60s. You know?
0: I would agree with you. Who knows? Peculiar. At any rate, Fabius led a Roman delegation to Carthage, stood in front of the Carthaginian Senate, and said, gentlemen. There were no ladies at that point, I assume, in the Carthaginian Senate. Right. Gentlemen. Wait. Well, Maybe there they had were. queens, so who knows? That's true. Hey, fine point, by the They're way. Merchants. They had Queen Dido. Yes, Ditto. They're Dido.
1: Yeah, so I don't, I don't know.
0: Maybe Mateo. Maybe the Carthaginians were more enlightened than the Romans were, or much of the Western world for a very long time. I know
1: a lot of, what's it called, a lot of Eastern civilizations were, like Sparta?
0: Were matriarchies, Sparta. Or, or, or held women in high esteem. Yeah. Huh. I agree with you. Let's assume there were ladies there, and so that Fabius stood in front of the Carthaginian Senate and said, Ladies and gentlemen, we have a little issue with you please return Saguntum to the Romans or to the Roman fold and all will be well and we can keep the peace. And the Carthaginian said, no, don't think so. Screw that. Whereupon, you're going to love this, Matteo. Fabius. In the same moment, standing in front of the Carthaginian Senate, heard their response and what did he do? Declared war. He declared war on Carthage. That's pretty badass. The 62-year-old Standing in front of the Senate, very far from home, like knowing, knowing that Regulus was fairly recently captured, tortured, killed, said Rome declares the, the Republic of Rome declares war on you for having broken the treaty. To their credit, Carthage let him leave. He returned to Rome and the war begins. There were three principal theaters of war in the second Punic War. It was a 17-year war, Matteo. Italy was perhaps the first theater of war, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Iberia, or Spain, uh, was the second theater of war. We're not going to touch on it much in this episode. That comes in in the next episode when we talk about Scipio Africanus. And finally, the third theater of war is Africa itself, Right. And we will talk about that as well in Scipio's episode. So, this second Punic War is going to run across two episodes. Listeners, please bear with us. It's worth it. There's so much good stuff here. In November of 2018, uh, so Fabius declared war on Carthage in early 2018. In November of 2018, one of the most remarkable 2018? events. Did I say 2018? You did say 2018. 2018? I meant to say 218. Okay, 218. Eliminate a zero. Forget I just said that. All right. right, Will do. Okay. One of the most remarkable feats in the history, and well, really in history, in military history, in human history, in the history of, of engineering, perhaps, occurs. Remember the guy named Hamilcar? You do. Vaguely. You remember the guy named Hannibal, his son? Somewhat. Who used to eat his wheaties as his father whispered into his ear, "Death to Rome."
1: Classic father things. I, 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 hopefully, I'm not doing that. Nah, nah, not death to Rome. <laughs> I'm doing <laughs> some other things that I can recall, but those things that like go in and out of one ear, so I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> it's
0: like uh, when I snap my fingers, you're gonna be a chicken. Yeah. Just
1: like that, actually. Kind of that Just stuff. Just like that.
0: So, in this case, Hamilcar was saying to Hannibal when he was in his crib, when I snap my fingers, you are going to be a bloodthirsty, insanely talented animal devoted to destroying the Maybe Roman the Republic. Maybe the greatest. Perhaps the greatest. At some point when we get to the end of this episode, we'll talk about goats. Unfortunately, Hannibal won't be there because we're talking about lost Roman heroes. Right. Perhaps we do a second podcast on... Kings and generals. Lost heroes. Lost greatness. Who well, is he lost, though? Is Not he, really. People do talk about Hannibal quite a bit. He, he is highly regarded in like like military schools. Like. Very true. Don't they study him in West Point? They do. That to some extent. Maybe his foes were, were the, the heroes that we should be focusing on that have been lost to time. Mm-hmm. At any rate, let's move on. So mm-hmm. what we're talking about is... Mateo Storm, this guy Hannibal, he heard the declaration of war, he had forces based in Spain, and he organized an attack on Rome, but no ordinary attack, because an ordinary attack by a seagoing power such as Carthage would have put men on ships and sailed them straight at Rome. Right. That's what they were usually doing, But Marines. Hannibal did not do that. Hannibal assembled an army replete with war elephants, marched them out of Iberia, modern Spain, through Gaul, modern France, up into the Alps, modern Switzerland, down the Alps Jeez. into Cisalpine Gaul or Northern Italy. They don't know how they did it. Nobody knows. And a lot of people have spent a lot of time trying to track Hannibal's exact path through the Alps, and they haven't been able to find it yet. Someday they will. It's, it's, it doesn't make logic. No, it's it's absolutely crazy. So just imagine this, Matteo. Hannibal, the army of Carthage, which is a naval power, swoops, sweeps? Sweeps down the mountains into northern Italy, and the Italians, the Romans, at the last minute, learn of his arrival, and they mount a stand on the river Ticinus, or Ticinus. No, that does not sound right at all. Ticinus. Where is it? I'm going to say Ticinus. It's not written there. I'm just recalling it from memory. Ticinas? So, here it is. Yeah, Ticinus. Ticinus or Ticinus? Ticinus. So, at the river, a Roman general named Publius Scipio the Elder leads the Roman legions into battle against Hannibal and gets destroyed. The war elephants, Matteo, wreak havoc with the Roman lines. And as that battle unfolds, there is a young man your age, a year younger, standing on a hilltop, the son oh, yeah. of the general, watching the battle unfold. Scipio Africanus. Would someday earn the cognomen Africanus. Today he's Publius. just Publius Scipio the Younger. And we're going to talk about him in our next episode. At any rate, the Romans lose the battle at the river, and a month later, in December 218, Hannibal crushes the Romans again, a Roman army led by the consul Tiberius Sempronius Longus at the Trebia River. This was an evenly matched battle, 40,000 men per side, and the Romans get devastated. At this point, our Fabius speaks to the Senate. He sees what's going on, and he is a cautious man by nature, and we saw that when he was a child. Right. And he said to the Senate, Guys, 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 something's going on here. Let's avoid direct engagements with this guy. Let's just kind of monitor him, prevent him from doing damage, but try not to go head-to-head with him. But you talked about the Romans' attitude, their martial attitude, their desire yeah, their to glory. for glory in the last episode. And so, as you could imagine, the Senate and his peers didn't listen to him. There were two consuls at this time, Gaius Flaminius and Gaius Servilius Geminis. They raised two armies, Matteo, 50,000 men, 25,000 men each, and they set out to do battle, to engage Hannibal. Do you remember, I'm going to take you back in time. Do you remember Lake Trasimeno, Lago di Trasimeno, when you were a kid? I don't remember, no. There's a picture floating around the house of you and your two sisters in a long hallway in a castle. I do remember the picture, yeah. Remember that picture? I do, yeah. So that was Lago di Trasimeno. Okay. All right, and we went there. So that's in Tuscany? It's uh, kind of east of Tuscany. It's more closer to the, to the Adriatic. Okay. And we went there because I was in nut job, infected with history. I thought it would be a cool day for the family, but I also really wanted to go to the site yeah, of selfish. this battle. It was a little selfish, but I didn't tell anybody and we all had a lovely day anyways. So Gaius Flaminius led his 25,000 men aggressively after Hannibal and chased him around the lake. Lost track of Hannibal because Hannibal was just too shrewd. He had this rope-a-dope, kind of Muhammad Ali type strategy. Right. He let the Romans rush by and then he fell upon them. And in June of 217... Matteo, the Roman army led by the consul Gaius Flaminius was destroyed, but not just destroyed, eliminated to a man. Dead. No way. Every single one of them. 25,000 men, nobody survived, not even Gaius Flaminius. Jeez. So you can imagine, this was 180 kilometers away from Rome. The Romans learned of this and panic swept the city. This could be the end. You can imagine the, the sense on the street was. This is the first time Rome had really been challenged since the Gauls sacked the city uh, you know, a couple hundred years before. Right. This was no joke.
1: But Hannibal couldn't have couldn't have actually taken Rome, right? He couldn't engage him in a siege
0: battle. Uh, he couldn't have laid siege to Rome, but at the time the walls of Rome were not the Aurelian walls. So potentially Rome was sort of open ish. Mm. Sort of open. So the city fell into a massive panic, and they elected our man, Fabius, as dictator, in 217. But from the beginning, we've seen in the past, people are elected dictator, like Cincinnatus, and the entire world lines up behind them. Like, you're our dude, we're behind you, we're yeah. with you, whatever you need. Yeah. You get the sense that Fabius was maybe a bit prickly, like big warty lip. (laughs) So there was some blowback. He was elected dictator, but he couldn't choose his own magister equitum, so his master of the horse. What did he even do? And in fact, the Senate, or the people, I can't really tell, elected an enemy of his, a political enemy, a guy named Marcus Minucius Rufus, call him Minucius, was put in the position of Fabius is number two. So Fabius tried to restore calm, and this is I thought this was kind of funny. He tried to project strength, because you can imagine, Roman, Roman arms had just suffered two massive defeats. So he's trying to look like a tough guy. And what did he do? He asked the Senate for special permission to be able to ride a horse as dictator. Because until that point, dictators had to go by foot, which is they had to show a certain degree the, of humility. Yeah, the people serving at the the day. Right. I have complete power, but I'm going to, to walk around the town. Yeah. But Fabius said, no, 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 no. I want to look tough. Give me a horse. Yeah. And the Senate, the Senate rather, granted him uh, that ability. Fabius thought that Rome lost the battle, or the last two battles, to, to Hannibal. Hannibal because the gods were unhappy with Rome. Before the last battle, Fabius and the Roman commander saw lightning in the sky around Lake Trasimeno. And Fabius supposedly, I don't think he was at the battle, but he said to, uh, uh, to the consul, uh, what was his name, Gaius uh, Flaminius, dude, don't fight this battle. The gods are... Right. And he, was our,
1: he was a very spiritualist guy he, since he had he, an he upbringing as in, the, in the priesthood.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely... Actually, great point, because he was an augur from a very early age. And he was uh, disregarded They plunged into battle. The battle was lost. So what did Fabius do when he became dictator? He ordered mass sacrifices, Matteo, up and down the Italian peninsula. A colossal amount of cows and oxen and sheep were sacrificed. And this, which I really loved, he asked each citizen to spend, each Roman citizen had to spend 333 sesterci and 333 denarii. Is that a lot? I don't really know. But they're two different <laughs> denominations of yeah. coins. And he believed in the number three. It was a prime number. It was the first odd number or a second odd number. And it, he thought it was magical. Either he believed it or he thought that enough people believed that this was a magical number. And he was trying to basically pump people up, right? Right. Like Get, get, their Hype. Comp, Hype. get Hype. the juices flowing yeah. again. And so that was done. And then Fabius, the dictator, and Minucius. His his magister, uh, his uh, commander of the horse, moved into the south of Italy because at that point, Hannibal bypassed Rome, and moved into the south and was wreaking uh, havoc. Right now, Fabius had a healthy respect for Hannibal. He wasn't a dummy. I mean, who wouldn't? He would, <laughs> exactly. He was. But he was also a cautious, observant guy. Remember right. when he was a kid, yeah. people thought that maybe he was touched in the head because yeah. he did nothing quickly? Yeah. So he was sort of mulling this over, chewing the fat, observing his enemy, and said, No, 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 no. This guy knows what he's doing. Don't want to engage with him. And instead, he did something interesting, Matteo. He started to employ guerrilla tactics, he started harassing Hannibal's supply lines. And when, Because remember, Hannibal is very far from home. Right. And so, so he's, lines are long. Lines are long, and he's having to forage in the, the Roman countryside. And Fabius starts attacking the foraging parties, and he starts burning crops in the areas around Hannibal, trying to put the pressure on Hannibal without Scorched attacking him directly. Tactics. Scorched earth. You got it. Now, Minucius was an aggressive little man. Or maybe he was a big man. But he was very aggressive. Right. He's like, let me at him. Come on. The last few guys have done poorly, but I'm different. Let's attack this guy. He can't be very tough. And master of the horse means he's master of cavalry? Yeah, he's master. Yes, he's master of the cavalry, which is kind of the elite sliver of the Roman army. Right. Now, at, the only at, pros. It's on, really the only pros. And at some point, let's talk about that for one second the only pros. The Roman Roman men, there was no draft. If you were a Roman right. man, you were going to fight if you were of a fighting age. So despite the fact that it was an amateur army, in some sense, it was almost professional because you were always fighting. You were always there to be, to be called up. Um, so at some point, Fabius was recalled to the capital. Minucius was in charge of the men, and he attacked Hannibal's men. I don't think the core army, but kind of, uh, let's say, minor forces of the Carthaginian army in Italy. And Minucius won a minor battle at a place called Geronium, which is near Naples in 217. And all of a sudden, Rome, the, 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 the man on the street in Rome, was looking for some sign of hope. Minucius gave it to them. And public opinion surged in favor of Minucius, Minucius and against Fabius, who was look, like this nervous Nelly. Right. You, know, you, you can't fight uh, Hannibal. <laughs> You're afraid with a big wart on your upper lip. So, always so also critical. And that's when Fabius got his nickname, Matteo, his Cucur? agnomen, yeah. Cunctator. And that means the delayer. Oh. He's always delaying. They're calling him a slow guy. Yeah, that's right. I, I want to fight. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow we'll fight. So, anyways, conctator. Minucius had very powerful friends in Rome, and they were able to maneuver, Matteo, the system, to give Minucius additional powers. He was like a quasi-dictator right. underneath the dictator.
1: Co-dictator
0: almost. And Minucius started talking trash about Fabius uh, out loud. He started calling him a coward in front of the troops. And when Fabius heard this, he said, Hey, buddy, Minucius, remember, I'm not the enemy. Hannibal is the enemy. The guy that's wiped out two or three Roman field armies. Let's focus on him. Right. But Fabius was very shrewd. He decided not to aggressively fight Minucius's kind of rise. Right. And he thought that if I just give this guy enough rope, he's going to hang himself. At this point, the Minucius and Fabius are in the south of Italy, They're sort of, they're shadowing Hannibal's army, and Minucia suggests that they rotate command of the Roman army. Hey, Fabius, hey, Warty lip, I'll take command for two days, and then you take command for two days, and then I take command for two days. And Fabius said... That's always a good idea. Yeah, Fabius said, that's a stupid idea. Let's split the army instead, okay? We have 50,000 men, you take 25, I'll take 25. And so that's what they did. And they're pursuing Matteo Hannibal and at some point, they're more or less around Naples still, Minucius disregards Fabius' instructions. He sees an opportunity, and he attacks the Carthage forces, including the main force with Hannibal. And at first, it appeared that the Romans were winning, but this was the typical Hannibal rope dope where he lured in Minucius, and then they swept in and were about to completely annihilate Minucius and his 25,000 men wing of the roman army at which point fabius is monitoring this from a distance and he cries oh hercules how much sooner than i expected though later than he seemed to desire hath minucius destroyed himself so this was the moment that fabius was waiting for he right. knew minucius was going to do something asinine and there it is cucuy. Cucuy! and a lesser man would have done what Let him die. Let him freaking die. And talk smack about him. (laughs) Exactly right. And yet he didn't. Instead, Fabius swept in. Uh, The Carthaginians were not expecting the rescue. He drove them off. He rescued Minucius. Just
1: himself? No,
0: with his 25,000-man force. Oh, they still had it split half-half? Yeah, they had it split half-half, 50-50. And he was able to drive off the armies of Carthage, and he saved Minucius. Whereupon Minucius said my father gave me life today you saved my life you are my second father I recognize your superior abilities as a commander I think he was, for, like, was forced to say that I, I think he was probably peeing his pants part of my it's a little, little crude but maybe he genuinely believed it yeah maybe because Fabius doesn't seem like the kind of guy to to, to, to make you cry uncle yeah you kind of
1: just put yourself in that situation
0: I think so so, shortly thereafter, Matteo, this was a victory, undoubtedly, it was rescuing victory from the jaws of defeat for the Romans, and right after that, Fabius' dictatorship ended, and consular powers were distorted. So, during the period of the dictator, which is six months, there is no consul, right? Because right. all the power of the state and the army is concentrated in one person, one man. I'm sorry to our female listeners, but that is the reality of ancient Rome. There right. were no... There were never any female consuls.
1: And there was, for a very few, for a little blip, there was one female empress and that was like a
0: blip. You know what? There's actually potentially, yeah, yeah, you're 100,000% right, but maybe there was a second one. Really? And there were also a few female regents who exercised the power of the emperor, even though they didn't call themselves emperor. And we're going to try to cover, please listen, female listeners, every single one of them. We're going to uncover every single one of them. Nero's mom. But they're coming later. Nero's mom was also kind of like... Kind of, you're right. The pulling the strings. Yeah. All right, so, so let's make certain hero. to cover her as well. And Ooh, but I, I think, wouldn't
1: say she's a hero.
0: Well, we don't know until we go through them. Well. I think as far as the female candidates for heroship goes, we need to err on the side of caution. We have so few females to talk about. Just
1: analyze them anyway. Throw
0: them out there, analyze them, and, and maybe they scored poorly as heroes, but, but let's right, talk about let's them. Let's do it. They deserve let's it. So, Fabius resigned. Consular powers were restored, and we have two new consuls, and their names were Varro and Paulus. And Varro and Paulus raised a magnificent, Matteo, massive 88,000-man army. Jeez. They Jeez. are determined to wipe Hannibal off the face of the planet. Hannibal, and w- so it's
1: twice the size of Hannibal's army. Twice
0: right? the size of Hannibal's army. And when, they, when Fabius heard this, how do you think wordy tongue, wordy mouth, uh, felt Scared? He was scared Because his thought process Was the following And I get it Okay I had this dummy Minucius underneath me But he had a small army And if a small army Loses a battle It's sort of a small loss Not a biggie But an 88,000 man army If That's we not lose easily it's, it's not easily replaced So Fabius pulled Paulus aside The co-consul And said Hey Paulus
1: Buddy psst,
0: Please keep Varro away from Hannibal Just don't engage don't let him engage hannibal in a direct battle whereupon paulus said something genius you're going to love this i fear the voters more than i hear, fear hannibal
1: <laughs> had to get reelected so yeah it's all about glory like i said
0: N- worried more about public opinion in rome than i am about getting killed and so what happened canai mateo canai and that's just that's what is canai what, what, how does that make you feel, it's the word? Haunted. Right. Yeah, haunted. Uh, shivers down my spine. Perhaps the greatest single defeat in the history of Rome. Maybe there are two or three others that are up Tudorberg there. Tudorberg Forest, but that was, that, that was different because this was a head-to-head battle. Yeah, Tudorberg Forest didn't have just, as much strategic import. Yeah, it was, it a, was a, a grave wound.
1: It was Maybe a stab in the back, but Cane was, was something that they were never... They were. I mean... That's the reason why they destroyed the city of Carthage. Yes. Break by break.
0: Maybe Cannae goes up in my mind. Cannae, Valens' defeat at Adrianople against the Goths. And maybe, maybe, Manzikert, Romans losing against the the Turks in 1071. Yeah. Which opened Anatolia to the uh, Turkish uh, sort of invasion that led to the ultimate fall of the East. So Kanai is up there. Kanai is probably one of the
1: greatest victories in military strategic history.
0: It it is, and we're not going to get into the details of Kanai. Yeah, we're not going to. Because it's its its own episode. You know what we could do? What? We could start doing special one-off episodes on things of particular interest in us or to our listeners, in in which we want to dig deep. Yeah, we could do that. Like a battle. Like a battle. Like maybe you really want to go super deep into Kanai. What happened? or whatever the event may be, let's, let's keep that open as a possibility. And to our listeners, we would love to hear from you. We're glossing over things on a sort of a superficial level, I mean, uh, on the skin of things, because there's so much to cover. Right. But if there's something that we touch upon that you are fascinated by and in which you would love to dig deep, please let us know. On Twitter, Lost Roman Heroes. On our website, you can send us a message. On Instagram, a direct message. And we would love to hear from you and to go deep. because Please, that
1: we haven't yet, but we'd love to see what you guys have to say.
0: So, Canai, Matteo, in 216, Han- uh, Varro leads 88,000 men into battle, including the cream of the Roman officer corps and the core of the Roman army, and Hannibal destroys the Romans. Annihilates them. And when I say annihilate, or when you say annihilate, it was... The Romans had a numerical advantage, 88,000 versus 50,000 for Hannibal, and the Romans lost and left 70,000 dead. 70,000 dead on the battlefield. Jesus. Including much of the Roman officer class, although at least one man survives, Matteo. He was a young man at the time of the battle, a young officer, and his name was... Publius, I didn't Scipio. know he was present at Cannae. He was present at Cannae. I didn't know that. And we're going to talk about him more in the next episode, obviously, including revisiting Cannae. So after Cannae, mm-hmm. you can imagine how sentiment changed on the streets in Rome. This was the end. Yep. They had sent out the largest army they that had they had mustered ever them. mustered against this foe rampaging through southern Italy. And they didn't just lose... They got completely destroyed. It was perhaps the lowest moment in the history of Rome. Maybe even lower, Matteo, than after the sack of Rome by the Gauls, by Brennus. Before this disaster, people had been sort of making fun of our friend Fabius Cunctator, the Delayer, that dummy. He's not willing to engage Hannibal, and all well, of a sudden, one that's beat him. all of a sudden, Fabius, the slow dude, the wordy lip. He started looking like a genius. And he would walk through the streets of Rome, and people looked to him for, for strength, for inspiration, but also they started to realize how prescient he had been in the manner in which he had prosecuted the war against Hannibal. Right. So, Matteo, what does he do? What do you think this, this slowpoke, cautious guy does in the wake of Cannae? Nothing. He's not going to rush out with an army. No. No, he's not. Guess what he does? What does he do? He locks the doors. Not because he's worried about Hannibal coming in. He doesn't want to let anybody out. He locked the, the gates to the city of Rome and said, Everybody, calm down. This is not the end. What we need to do right now, first and foremost is we need to mourn our dead. Of course. 70,000 dead in a small city, relatively small city. Everybody was touched by this horrific loss. And so he declared a period of mourning for 30 days. Yeah. All right. Hopefully I have the answer. We
1: know, because this is always something I was confused about. Mm -hmm. Rome's official territory stretched from most of Italy, right? Yes. Okay. So when they muster armies... Was it the army of the city of Rome, and then there was the army of the city of Capua? Or what was it? Yeah. I don't understand.
0: No, I think at this point they're mustering Roman citizens, because they had been granting citizenship to the, these integrated cities. Okay. So, so I, I think there were still cities that were allies of Rome that perhaps were not citizens. They didn't, like this was before Marian reforms, so they didn't have specific field armies. That's correct. Where, okay. I believe they I th- had th- that army. I think together. they had the army. Okay. But there, it was an army composed of citizens, and the citizens were now uh, uh, drawn from beyond the confines right. of the city of Rome to right. to the territories that had been integrated. Okay. So, 30 days of mourning, and at the on the end of the 30th day, they conducted a ceremony, Matteo, of uh, a purification ceremony in which basically they gave everybody. Uh, They they granted forgiveness. Your son died, it's not your fault. Your brother died, it's not Not your your fault. fault. It was a a ceremony of cleansing. And then, basically, uh, uh, Fabius is not the dictator, but he was acting as if he were a dictator. He didn't need an election, he was so universally respected. And from that point on, in the prosecution of the war against Hannibal, they would follow Fabius' strategy. In the annals of military history, and Matteo, this is still taught in military colleges today. It is called the Fabian Doctrine. Fabius led the armies out, and under him, the Romans focused on attacking Hannibal's supply lines. They focused on attacking, attacking the isolated outposts of Carthage in Italy. They captured patrols. They captured foraging parties. But they always avoided pitched battles. And ultimately, Hannibal was forced to start attacking fortified cities. The guy had been a genius to that point. He had never engaged in a battle in which he did not think he was guaranteed victory. Right, especially since he was always usually outnumbered, right? Yes. But because of Fabius' strategy, he was eventually compelled to start doing precisely what he knew he should be avoiding, which is taking on the tough fights because he wasn't given a choice. That is Fabius. And Fabius's last appearance in the field, Matteo, was in the year two o nine. He was seventy one wow. years old. Jesus,
1: every time it's with these old guys. There's
0: another old man.
1: Not that there's anything wrong with it.
0: No, in some ways it's, it's, it's amazing. Shocking. Surprising. I mean, maybe the old man says, "You know what? I'm not afraid of death. I am. I'm here to I do mean, whatever it takes." He was very
1: spiritual. So I doubt he was.
0: And I do think you're right. I get the sense as well, Matteo. He was a spiritual guy. And so, in the year seventy-one, Tarentum was in the year seventy-one. At the age of seventy-one, year two o nine, the city of Tarentum, Matteo, had been held by Hannibal and the Carthaginians. It was an important uh, southern city, southern city, and center of Carthaginian One of the power in Italy. In the
1: south, along with like and, and
0: Fabius led troops into the field, and he led. Them the, the Carthaginians into a ruse he drew Hannibal away from the city of Tarentum through a decoy and when Hannibal marched out Fabius the 71 year old swooped in laid siege to Tarentum and took the city Matteo and it was really the only big victory that we know of, of Fabius's entire history because he was not that guy
1: yeah n- never a tribune Wait, wait, yeah, never a tribune, never really military inclined.
0: And, and never and when he was in the field, it was all about delay yeah. and wearing down the enemy. But here he saw his opportunity and he took back Tarentum, which was an important score and victory for the Romans. And here's this is a funny story. You're going to like this. The governor of Tarentum was a guy named Marcus Livius Macatus. And he started claiming responsibility for the fact that Tarentum was back in the Roman camp, and Fabius said something to this effect, certainly, had you not lost it, I would never have retaken it. <laughs> so sure, you're responsible because you're the dummy that lost it, and that gave me my chance for victory. At any rate... That's pretty
1: badass. Too. At,
0: badass. Making so, a
1: complete fool out of him.
0: At 71 years old, after having won back Tarentum, making a fool of this dude. He came back to Rome, and at 71, Matteo, he was granted another triumph. I don't know if there was an older man to have received a triumph, but you I can just imagine. And you have to imagine that he probably wasn't smiling during the triumph. He was just kind yeah, I just of... He just wanted to go home. Yeah, he was ready to go home. So, uh, this is, by the way, the coolest part of his history. Legend says that after he took back Tarantum, Hannibal said the following. It seems that the Romans have found another Hannibal, for we have lost Tarentum in the same way that we took it.
1: Huh, so showing some respect, huh?
0: Showing some creds and respect to the Wardy, 71-year-old man. Yeah, so this is more or less the end of his story. Towards the end of his life in the Senate, he opposed a guy named. Publius Scipio the Younger our next episode is on him one of one of my personal heroes again And mine as well, and I can't wait to do his episode and the fact I admire Fabius and the fact that he opposed Scipio always caused me some sort of angst right because Fabius was all about caution Let's take it slowly and cautiously and methodically and Scipio at this moment in the senate was proposing something Matteo. Audacious. Bold. Beyond bold. Let's take the fight to our enemy. Let's go to Carthage. We've been fighting in our backyard. Let's not be timid. Right. And so when we read about Scipio, we hear about how the Senate was kind of denying him the resources required for a massive assault on Carthage. And the man behind that effort... To clip his wings was none other than Cugtator. Ooh, a little Wordy lip. In there then. Yeah. I don't know if I like that. Yeah, I don't know if I like it either, but I guess... Well, what you
1: can't blame the guy. He was an old guy by now. He
0: was an old guy, and his approach... Had
1: been a little successful.
0: Had, was one of the they reasons were the, why... They were, this, they were still there. Precisely right. Could not agree with you more. So, at any rate, in the year 203, Fabius died. At the age of 77, he had lived a A very long, 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 long an incredibly distinguished life. Uh, This was shortly after, Matteo, Hannibal left Italy. Hannibal had left shortly before uh, uh, Fabius died, and shortly before Scipio sailed for first Iberia, modern Spain, and then Carthage. And this is my favorite part, perhaps, of Fabius' story. And I'm sure you don't know this because I had no clue. Why? The reality is I had no clue about Fabius before I started my re- research. Before he died, in 203, after Hannibal left Italy, Fabius was granted an honor, Matteo. Was he? Called the Corona Gramenia Gramme- in Latin. That translates as the grass crown.
1: Oh, I, I mean... Have you
0: heard of the grass crown?
1: I haven't, but I, I always... I mean, I've seen it, but I, probably not.
0: It's different from Caesar's crown, the laurel wreath crown. The grass crown was made of grass and wildflowers and wheat from a battlefield. And it was granted to a general and could only be granted by an army. It was granted to a general that had saved an army from complete Annihilation. Oh, wow. So it was sometimes called the besieged crown. So when an army was besieged by a foe and was on the verge of Of complete destruction, and a general, a commander, did something so extraordinary so as to save the entire army from destruction, he was granted this, the most simple, the most humble of crowns grass, flowers, and wheat from the battlefield in which the battle was fought. And in That's the hi- sick, though. Right? Yeah. In the history of Rome, we know of maybe 8, 10, 12 instances Jeez, of this it's, grass crown being granted. The grass crown. So, according to Virgil, our old friend, and another historian, Aeneas, this translated as, or rather, the, the, the epitaph, if you will, of Fabius was unis. Homo nobis cunctando restuet rem. Meaning, one man, by delaying, restored the state to us.
1: That's pretty awesome. Slow and steady wins the race.
0: A moment of chills. Slow and steady wins the race. It's like that expression in Italian. Oh, I know what you're going to about. Chi va piano? Me. Uh... No, I forgot it. Kiva piano, va And in some sense, that was Fabius. He who goes slowly goes far. Fabius went very far indeed. So, while Hannibal is mentioned in the company of history's greatest generals, of course, and for good reason, and we'll talk more about Hannibal in our next episode, military professionals and military colleges around the world have bestowed Fabius' name on an entire military doctrine, Matteo, known as the Fabian Doctrine. And in fact... And I love this. It's the second time that he pops up in our series. Washington, General George Washington, has been called the American Fabius. And I'm sure you can make that connection.
1: Yeah, he was also a very slow, uh, what's it called? Not melodical. Uh, Methodical. Methodical guy, yeah. Maybe he was melodical as well. Everyone everyone in Congress was always pushing for him to do something. Right,
0: attack. We need the big battle. And when he did... He lost. He did. But by the way, great point. So we had the siege of Boston in which Washington and his buddy, uh, what was the chubby guy that brought the, Knox, yeah. Henry Knox, brought the, the cannons over land, and they were able to break the siege of the Brits of, this, the, of uh, the Port of Boston. And then remember, Washington went to New York, and when he went to... Almost got annihilated. He almost, that was almost the end of the Revolutionary War against yeah. General Howe the Battle of Long Island. And after that battle, in which he was still thinking, maybe in a one-on-one conflict, I can destroy the, the Brits, then he starts saying, no, 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 There's no let's, way let's, <laughs> throw, let's throw all <laughs> the things back, dude. And Washington, in addition to being classically taught, he, was, he knew who Fabius was. He had studied the classics. He understood the doctrine. And he also spent a lot of time amongst Native Americans and that type of guerrilla warfare was very common amongst right. the the indigenous. And that's basically what he did. And it's precisely what he did for the rest of the no, war. That's essentially,
1: that one guy got famous for. What's his name? Which guy? Uh, he was like a mountaineer or a woodsman. Oh. You know what I'm talking
0: about? Yes, uh, I do. But the name's not popping into my head. Yeah, but he's got a super, no, uh, what's it called, memorable name. I'm, I'm. I know we're talking about. It's not. It's not. It's not popping in. At any rate, to our listeners, I know this sounds suspicious. In episode five, we talked about Washington being called the new Cincinnatus, and, but th- that is the reality. And the reality as well is that he was called by contemporaries the new Fabius. And so, it's impressive how the founding fathers of the U.S. drew upon this classical history, how they related to the Roman Republic and how it became a part of the United States origin story in such a profound way. So a tip of the hat to Fabius and a tip of the hat to Washington because he adopted those tactics and he was absolutely brilliant and successful persecuting the same, even though he was criticized by his contemporaries uh, at the time. So Fabius congratulations to you. That is your life, and now it is time to rank you. Matteo Storm, let's start, please, with the first. How big was Fabius's conctator's wart on the top of the lip military success?
1: It's kind of a hard thing to rank when you think about it because relative like his his success was high relatively speaking but in the grand scheme of things not a lot of success you know what i mean i know he wasn't actively i don't know how long he was leading armies for you know i don't know how long he was on campaign for i don't know if he was ever a tribune from before but rome was getting their rears banked by they were getting cannibal. their
0: they were getting their butts kicked and and all we really know is that he led armies from 217 uh, to. Well, his his last battle was two oh nine. So, but right. two seventeen, the guy was already think about an it, old man.
1: What he really did was he survived Hannibal. Like he he
0: survived. That's what he was able to do. Yes, survive. he survived. So so almost like a cockroach. He's like you can't kill me. Yeah, you yeah, can complete. throw in yeah.
1: Like cockroach.
0: la cockroach. La cucaracha.
1: Yeah, he was able to not outlive obviously because he died, but. He was able to withstand the storm of Hannibal, but that's that's it. But he did it by by like poking and running away, basically.
0: So militarily, he didn't lose. He was able to avoid losing. Yeah,
1: but, but he, he didn't win.
0: Didn't win. Right. He resisted. So I guess he wore down an opponent, but that was Washington as well. Washington didn't win dramatic battles. Washington was able to stretch his enemy supply lines. And just ground them down.
1: Yeah, but Washington still had bigger victories, and he had more, more than just one victory, he, too. He, he had so you know, all, of, all, of yes. all of his battles were also decisive. Like Bunker Hill was a defeat, but he also killed a lot more than he lost. Mm. Fabius, he just kind of... He didn't a, have that he'd moment. He'd poke and run away, poke and run away. And That's true. When, they left, when he left the house... Unattended, he just walked in, basically.
0: But eventually, he poked enough such that Hannibal left the Roman heartland. Well, yeah, because it just it wasn't sustainable,
1: and he would never be able to. Yes. Hannibal wouldn't. He couldn't. Hannibal could not um, meet the Romans in a siege battle because he would lose because numerical. Correct. And it takes. He away, couldn't replenish it, his troops. But bigger than that, because his elephants are useless in a siege battle. That as well. And That's part of his secret to winning was also the open field battles with his elephants. So he couldn't engage Romans in a siege.
0: So I agree. This guy was no... He was not... He was deliberate, and he was stubborn as hell. And that stubbornness and that deliberate nature allowed Rome to survive, whereas a more flashy, aggressive commander may have led Rome into a defeat from which it couldn't recover, potentially. So... He deserves credit for that. The question is, what's the number? And I think he's definitely not average. He's not at 10, but militarily... I'm gonna say... It was the right strategy for the moment. I'm gonna say a six. Okay, you're, this is the first time you're gonna go lower than me. I'm going seven. Let's go politically now. He wasn't a politician. He was not, no. At all. He showed some political savvy in the wake of Roman defeats and disasters. For sure. In his ability he to was build up
1: the people. He was extremely highly regarded. Yes. So he must have been pretty, uh, well, like you said, politically savvy. He must have, I mean, he probably had a successful political career. He held a lot of positions uh, in the Senate. Yeah. Uh, everybody ended up loving him at the end. Yes. Whether you were a pleb, whether you were a patrician, whether you were a senator. Yes. A, a equestrian, didn't matter. Everybody loved him. He basically had the influence of a dictator without having the title of a dictator. That so, is true,
0: which is quite a feat. Right. So,
1: probably should be pretty high. Give me a number. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say an eight. Eight's really solid. I okay. just don't know what else he did.
0: Okay, you're gonna give him an eight, and I sort of feel I'm gonna go seven on this one. All right. His coolness. I'm gonna go first. He is definitely, in my mind, not terribly cool. This is not a cool guy. Yeah. He has he some has cool been. moments. He had some cool lines. He has some cool lines. Uh, but it's also like old man banter lines, you know. Like, <laughs> I sort of agree with you. He's kind of like, <laughs> it's like old man cool. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I I, I think like the the moment where he's standing in front of the 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 Senate of Carthage and and immediately turns around and says. The Republic of Rome declares war on you. Declares war on you. That's cool. Yeah. That takes guts. But it's kind of it's also an old man thing. He was 62 years old. And ah, whatever. Yeah, like Bahamba. I did Bahamba, I declare war on you. Yeah. So I don't think he's very cool. Uh, very, in my I don't mind. I not so either. I'm gonna give him like a four. Okay, you're going four, and I'm thinking five is average cool, and we're looking at heroes, so the bar is already high. I sort of agree with you. I'm going for four and cool as well. He's got some cool lines, but that doesn't make coolness. His impact on Rome, Matteo. Zero to ten.
1: Uh, well, he saved a Roman army from being, denied, from being destroyed. Mm-hmm. A Roman army. Yes. He managed to capture the city of Tarentum, or recapture mm-hmm. it. And... Mm, I guess his, the adoption of his strategy is what implored Hannibal to leave Italy because he just wouldn't be able to win. He, he couldn't win. Either ways though, and if, if you think about it, huh? Hannibal couldn't. He, the reason he was just running around Rome for I don't know how many years, uh, Italy. Yeah. Sorry, is because he couldn't engage in siege battles. Like not for any, nothing uh-huh. meaningful. Like the city of Rome itself. Yeah. So I'm not sure. What do you
0: think? I think I'm in agreement with you, although I think that, so it's not flashy, but he set the stage for Scipio's success. Mm, And so I think his impact was, if five is average, he's not an average guy. He had a a real impact. I want to give him a seven. I'll give him a seven, too. Okay, perfect. And that brings us to, and this is a little tricky, does he belong in the Hall of Heroes? Well... I'm I'm torn. I'm just gonna put it out there. Remarkable man, yes. I think you, he was well respected.
1: He certainly did a heroic thing by saving an entire army, and he was rewarded for
0: it. He, he won a grass crown.
1: Yeah, he didn't seem like a selfish guy.
0: Yeah. Good man, yes. But is it does is he a hero in this? We haven't talked about what a hero means in a while. Hey, it just seems like. But this makes me think about it. Does this qualify as hero or a somebody worthy of uh, uh, remembrance and commemorating? I don't commemorating. know if
1: he's a hero. He just seems like an old guy that. I don't know that he's just an old guy that. He had to open the pickle jar for everyone else because they couldn't <laughs> do it. Like I don't know how to explain it. Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? I love that. Yeah, I do. And you know what? He's like, okay, like no, let me freaking do it. That's not how you do it. That's I,
0: Mateo, I'm with you. I, I think he's 100%. I think he's worth remembering. And I'm grateful that we were able to do an episode on him because I knew nothing about him before. But I don't think he belongs in the Hall of Heroes. I, I don't. Me neither. So he breaks our streak. We're on a long streak. He breaks our streak. And he, he got a 63%, Mateo, for us. And
1: That's tied for the second lowest.
0: He's tied with Romulus, who also got a 63% and also didn't make it into our Hall of Heroes. The next highest is Camillus at 69%, who's in. Uh, I think you can still get a low score and make it into the Hall of Heroes. I think it sort so too. of depends. But, Kunktator, uh, uh, Fabius, you are not there, but I will say that you are worthy of remembering... For and sure. I've loved learning about you in this episode, and I am grateful to you, and I salute you. I give yeah. you a clap. And, uh, Mateo, that is Mr. Fabius, conctatore. The Delayer and Big Wart on the upper lip. Glad we got through this one
1: because the next episode is going to be so cool. The
0: next episode... This one was a little more like, eh. Maybe the next one? It was, and, and and actually we've run sort of long on this episode. Oh, there was a lot to talk long. about because we were setting up the Punic Wart, and the next one is going to be a biggie, and we're going to be very focused on the person of Scipio Africanus. Publius Scipio. Finally. Vader. Finally, we've gotten to him. So... Is there anything to say about an alternative history here? I, I don't... Nothing really of importance. I, I don't think so. I think we've sort of addressed this as well. So, time to wrap up. Uh, I would say, it, first of all, thank you to everyone for listening. We are honored every day, or I look... Mateo doesn't look as often as I do. Every day, I look at our Twitter feed and our Instagram feed, and I look at the countries that are popping up as uh, with new listeners, And it's awesome. It's exhilarating, and it's motivating, and it's what's keeping us going. I would like to say that U.S. is our most uh, number one on the list in terms of listeners, but Colombia is still number two, which is incredible. Shout out to Colombia. Keep spreading the word. We love that because we have roots. Uh, I have roots through marriage, and Mateo has roots through blood to Colombia, and we love that. And the U.K. is also moving up, by the way. U.K. is now in third place in terms of countries where we have listeners, which we love. Uh, you want to shout out to U.K. something? You have a good um, accent? You want to do a... Oh, no. Do it. Do, it do, oh, it, do no. it. do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do Scottish. Go Scottish. Um, please. Please. I'm going to say no. Just do it. I'm going to say no on that one. Jolly good. Do
1: it. Oh, that's, that's terrible. Oh. Yikes. Oh, no. Oh, no. oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's terrible.
0: Yeah, no. Enough. Jolly man. good. Enough of that. Come on, you come. Mm. You were you had a good Scottish at one point. I lost do it. it. Pull it out. It's gone. Damn it. Okay, maybe in a future episode. Um, and this is the point in the podcast where we read a review, and I'm going to Matteo. Uh, I want to read a review, review here, which is. Uh, you read the review. This is from a listener. I wanted to do one, which is from. this one
1: ancient roman history can feel heavy but these two make it modern and fun love the banter and the inquisitive tone between them almost makes me want to pick up a history book as my next beach read or just catch the next episode here excited to learn more
0: that's from a listener called lizzie thank you lizzie that's a great review So, as we said in our last episode, and we will say in every episode, please leave reviews. We love the fact that people are listening, and that's incredible. Spend two seconds, please, after you listen, and leave a four- or five-word review on iTunes. It makes a huge impact for us.
1: Absolutely. We super appreciate that, because we want to connect with the the
0: listeners. We want to connect with you. We want to hear your feedback, and the more reviews you leave, the more... The better placement we get in iTunes, which makes a big impact as well. Follow us on Instagram at Lost Roman Heroes, on Twitter at Lost Roman Heroes. And please do join us for next week because, Mateo, we have a big one coming. I'm so excited. Me too. Probably going to be one of my favorites that we do. I hope we do it right. This could potentially be a two-episoder. We may have to cut it. It might, it might be a little long. That Actually, it, it, w- it is going to be long. It's so. going to be long. We'll see. And who is it going to be?
1: Publius Cornelius
0: Scipio Africanus. One of the very greats. Please tune in and thank you to everyone for supporting us. We love it. You guys are really giving us such encouragement. And we're just going to keep rolling uh, because we love hearing from you and we look forward to talking to you next week so absolutely so long until next week this Farewell. is Matthew
1: Mateo I know
0: Do we say something else oh. like we need a signature sign off line like uh, arrivederci uh, or arrivederci
1: <laughs> nah <laughs> something good uh, we need to
0: come up with a trademark what is it uh Hasta uh, la vista baby, like Schwarzenegger? Mm, no. Yeah, we're not that guy. No. Okay, we'll think about well, it. Well. Bye. Bye bye.